Everybody ready for a change? A good one? More of God. All right, go to Bible. Get your Bibles. Go to Exodus chapter 33. Last week, does anybody remember what I preached on? Glory. Glory of God. What is the glory of God? What is the glory of God? We, you know, we use these terms all the time, and you hear people shout, glory. And you hear people talk about the glory of God, but what is it? The glory of God is the presence of God. It is the manifested presence of God. Now, what, what makes it different? Well, all of us grew up in denominational churches that said, God is everywhere. And he is. But is it manifest everywhere? Some people have never experienced the manifested presence of God. When I got born again, I walked in a crusade where God was showing up. I was healed, delivered, and went home born again. Not because of the good preaching and definitely not because of the quartet. Because I entered in a room where God was manifested. What's missing in America? People trying to figure out what's missing in America today. Well, it's the manifested presence of God. Now, we're going to talk about glory. What it, we're going to get into some more of it. We're going to talk about his presence. And we're going we're to find out something today very, very, very beneficial. And, and like Joselito said, muy necesito. Wasn't that cool in Spanish? For all you people that are Spanish, you should say, you should say, Gloria a Dios. Jesus el Señor, amen. ¿Dónde está el baño? No, 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 no. Yo quiero café con leche. Okay. See, if you're Spanish, you think it's funny. If you, if you don't speak Spanish, you're looking at me like, what did he say? I said, where's the bathroom? Anyway. Es muy importante, sí. Especially if you have coffee con leche. No más, too much coffee con leche. All right. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the presence of God. We're going to talk about the manifested presence of God. So Exodus chapter 33, we're going to start with verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people. You have not let me know whom you're going to send with me. You said, I know you by name, and you, and you found grace in my sight. But now I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way that I might know you, that I might find grace in your sight and consider this nation, they're your people. That's cool. See these three million people? Not my problem. They're yours. Don't you ask me to do anything with them because I don't know what to do with them. You better do something with these people. So he's asking for something. He said, I want to know you, and I want to know your way. Now, you understand, he has no Bible to go to to find out what God is like. Right. He said, I, I really would like to know something about you. You know, are, are you short-tempered? What, what, it, what is it about you? I want to know something about this guy who's carrying us off into a desert. Yeah. I mean, if you go on vacation, you really might want to know something about some people. Verse 13, again, I pray if I found grace in your sight, show me your way. I want to know you. Verse 14, and he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I'm taking you out. I'm going with you 
and I'm going to give you rest. He didn't say I'm going to make life hard on you. He didn't say I was going to make it more difficult. I'm going to make life easier. Now, let's, I just want to jump ahead of myself real quick. Jesus said in Matthew, my yoke is easy. If your Christianity, if your life is nothing but nine to nine, working yourself to the bone, barely making it six and a half or seven and a half days a week, you need this message. Because this is not the way God designed you to live on this planet. He designed you to have life and life abundantly. He wants you to prosper, but he said, I will prosper you and add no sorrow with it. You don't have to neglect your kids to prosper. You don't have to kill your body to prosper. You don't have to become a nervous wreck. And you don't have to bow your knee to the world in order to make it today. Now, I'm going to show you there's a massive difference in walking with God and not walking with God, and it's becoming way more evident now. So let's move forward, okay? My presence will go with you, and I'll give you rest. And he said, if your presence doesn't go with us, we ain't leaving. I think it's time for us to start saying, God, if you don't come to church, I'm not either. You want me to go? You go with me. Because don't you send me out there by myself and say, how was it when I get home? <laughs> Verse 16. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we will be separate, your people and I, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Stop again. God does not want you to look, walk, talk, and act like the world. He separated you from the world, and he wants you very different from the world. The world has nothing to offer you. When you die, do you want to go to heaven? Why? Because God is there. Okay, do you want to go to hell? Why not? Why would you want less of God here and more of hell until the day you die? Why would you not want more of God? Is it better to have more of God or is it worse? They don't believe it's better. That's why they aren't in here. Because they think the world has something better to offer them than God. And so do most Christians. Well, I would be there Sunday, but God, I had to work. And then I had, listen, they will kill, they will kill you They will wear your body out. They will use you. They will increase your hours. They will increase your stress. They will pull you out of church, and they will pull you away from God. And when they are done with you, they will throw you in the junk heap and find someone younger, someone smarter, and you aren't worth a dime. You don't want to run with them. 
Satan is brutal. God is not. God can bless you and you can have a good life. Woo, I'm way ahead of myself, but let's go. Verse 17, so the Lord said to Moses, I also will do this thing you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight. I know your name. And he said, show me your glory. Now Moses is stepping out there. I want to see your presence. I want to see your glory. Now let's look at the next line. Show me your glory. Go to 18. And he said, I'll make my what? Say goodness. Is it the same thing? Yes. The glory of God is all of his goodness. How many of you say, I could use some goodness? See, we're going to get into the presence of God. The glory is not automatic. You have to want it. You have to want more of God. Because the world is going to make sure you don't. Okay, let's make, I'm getting ahead of myself. I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious. I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. And he said, you cannot see my face. No man can see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. And it will be while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand as I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you'll see my back, but my face will not be seen. Now, why is that? Because his humanity couldn't handle it. Imagine a guy that makes the whole universe, and you're going to look at his face. I don't think so. It would kill you. Now, he's fixing to show him himself. Now, I'm going to read to you now what happened when Moses saw him. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what you think we're going to read. You think we're going to read about his physical characteristics, and we are not. He's not going to show Moses what see he's not going to see a white robe full of diamonds he's not going to see just a bright light he's not interested in the physical let me stop here in america today when we talk about seeing someone the first question we ask is what do they look like let me ask you a question would you rather marry a woman who was good or beautiful. Good. Beauty skin deep. I, and I know men, I know, I know, I know. You won't say, I know some of you are going, but I like both. <laughs> but a beautiful pig is still just a pig. Right. See, what she is is more important than, I mean, she, what's that Kardashian lady? There's a lady, I, I don't know anything. Honest to God, I have never, I've just heard that name somewhere. I wouldn't be married to that thing if you paid me a million a day. Why would I want to go to hell every day? 
just because she's pretty to look at. I can get a picture. <laughs> they did a study one year in college, and they noticed that all of the pretty women married ugly men. It's a true story. And the college said, why is it that the cheerleaders didn't marry the, the jocks? They didn't. They didn't marry the football stars. They didn't marry the stud muffins. And they said, the stud muffins know they're good looking and they're mean. We wanted a man that was nice. You see, ugly people have to be nice. So I know what you're thinking. Now I know why Lisa married him. Now I know what was going on in her mind. But this is true. Why is it every time we talk about Jesus, you want to know what he looks like? Why don't you know what he is like? Don't you want to know what God is really like? So we're going to read it, and I'm going to show you that what he shows him is his attributes, not the way that he looks. Let's go there. Chapter 34, verse 5. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. That's good God. What revelation did he get looking at him? He is a good God. He's a merciful God. He's a loving God. He's a faithful God. He's a good God. What did you say? I saw good God. Not I saw white hair. Not I saw blue eyes. Not I saw five foot ten and a half. All those things matter very little. What is he like? There's a reason people, in, people don't serve him because they don't know him. If you knew him, you would want to be with him. I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse 8, Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and he worshiped. What, did, what happened to Moses when he saw God? He worshiped. He worshiped God. Now, let's talk about the presence of God for a moment. Why did Moses say, don't send us out there unless you go? Where did the children of Israel come from? God made them from a, bar a barren woman and an impotent man. God created the whole race. Without God, there would have been no Israel. Without God, there'd have been no church. He made you. You did nothing to get yourself where you are. Without me, you can do. Without God, you don't, you don't, you don't have a snowball's chance in hell. So God made a nation from people that it was impossible. Once he made the nation, he sent them off to Egypt to take care of them during a famine. Pharaoh changed. The people began to pray, and God came and did miracles to get them out. How many would they have come out without God sending them Moses and showing up in his presence? Would they have come out? No. They would not have. No. 
And once they came out, he sent them through the Red Sea, destroyed their enemy, took them through on dry ground, split the Red Sea. Why? Because his presence was there. Then after the Red Sea came back and the enemy was gone, he took them into a desert. The desert has how much water? None. How much food? None. How many 7-Elevens? None. There's nothing out there. One day in the heat, they'd have died. One night in the freezing, they'd have died. One day without water, they would have died. And two or three days without food, they'd have died. The, the, the wild animals and the snakes were so bad, without his presence, they'd have died. Now, why didn't they die? Because he was there. Let me ask you this. Do you need him? Yeah, you need him. Without him, there's no new creation. Without him, there's no righteousness. Without him, there is no new birth. Without him, you have no wisdom. Without him, you have no life. Without him, you have no joy. Without him, you don't have anything. Why would you not want more of that? Yes, say I would. All right, now let's go there. Now, we talked about the word glory, so let's talk about what glory is. Here's the definition. We read it last week. We're going to read it this week, and we'll probably read it again next week. The definition of glory is number one, wealth. <gasps> now, the, now, the prosperity preachers, the anti-prosperity preachers, they don't like that definition. But why would God be God and not be wealthy? Wouldn't you expect God to be wealthy? Well, then wouldn't you expect his kids to be wealthy? Okay, so the number one attribute of the glory, the number one thing the glory does is take you out of poverty. The, listen, poverty can't stay in the presence of God. If God comes to live in your house, he's going to change your furniture if you don't like it. He's going to change your china. He's going to change your car. He's going to change your, he, he's going to look around here and go, I don't like this place. This place is terrible. And he's going to start changing all, everything. And he's going to, it's going to upgrade it. You're going to, you want him there? And he likes diamonds and gold. If he has streets of gold, he doesn't mind you ladies wearing a little bit. Amen. And all the women are going, glory. glory. Say glory. glory. Say glory. glory. All right, so the number one attribute of glory is wealth, numbers, commerce, power, wisdom, promotion, superiority, dignity, authority, nobility, splendor, valor, magnificence, extraordinary privilege and advantage. Woo. Say, I would like. Some glory. Now, where is the glory? The, the glory comes when you're in his presence. And it only comes when you decide, I'm going to get in his presence. You have to say, don't you send me out there and you don't go with me. Now, we're talking now about working on you to get you to wanting to come to church more than you need to want his presence. You have to want it or he ain't coming. Listen, this church can dry up like the Methodist. This can dry up like the bat. This can dry up like a Catholic church. God don't owe anything to this church. You either seek him or he ain't coming to your church either. Amen. I've already told him, if you don't come, I ain't either. 
I don't want a church that he don't come. But if he comes, and if he comes, and he will come, if you want him to come. He don't like rude people either. Okay. God is a creator. He is life. He is peace. He is joy. He is prosperity. And he is wholeness. He, that's what he is. You don't need more money. You need more God. You don't need more health. You need more God. So I'm going to tell a story. Go, go to Second Chronicles 5. Come on, y'all. I mean, I, I ain't quitting until I'm done. Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord, and they lifted their voice and trumpets and cymbals and instruments and music, and they praised the Lord and said, He is good, His mercy endures forever. And the house was filled with the cloud, and the priest could not continue to minister because the glory came in. Listen, listen to me. When the glory comes in, Charlie, everything in your life's going to change and you aren't going to do anything. He's just going to do it. What did you do to get born again? Nothing. You got in his presence. What did you do to get filled with the Holy Ghost? Nothing. What did you do to get righteous? Nothing. God don't need your help. He just needs you. He just needs you to want. Heavenly Father, what I want is a whole lot more of you. Okay. I'm going to tell a story because I like to tell stories. I like telling stories. I told stories before I got saved and I got whipped for it. Now I tell true ones. My mother said, is that a story? What'd you do with your homework? The dog ate it. That's the story. It was a lie. When I got to go down with um, Dr. T.L. Osborne down about Bahia, Colombia, he got up and he was preaching because in Colombia, in South America, Central and South America, you have a lot of people who are religious, but they're not Christian. They have faith in a religion. I'm going to say something to you right now. I want you to think about this for a minute. I'm going to ask you a question. The, the calf that the people made in the wilderness, do you know what its name was? Jehovah. Wow. You say, why would they name it that? Because they didn't like the real one. So they made one. Let me make a statement to you right now. Don't, don't throw anything at me. See, there's a lot of people who have Jesus. It ain't this one. If the one you have hasn't changed you, you don't have him. If the one that you have didn't make you nice, you didn't have him. If the one you have didn't make you enjoyable to be around and, and, and full of peace and love, and you, you, you don't have this one. You might have one, but it ain't this one. See, I have Jesus. And I have peace, and I have joy, and I have the blessings of Abraham. If you're still cranky, you need my Jesus. 
Sometimes Lisa looks at me and says, have you been with Jesus today? <laughs> this woman, a very wealthy woman, came to the meetings because she was crippled. She's in a wheelchair. You see, a lot of people want to be healed, but they don't want Jesus. A lot of people want to prosper, but I don't want Jesus. A lot of people want a better marriage, but I don't want Jesus. So she comes to the meeting, and the chauffeur takes her and pulls her out of her car, puts her in a wheelchair and pushes her up so that she can hear T.L. preach. T.L.'s preaching the gospel. And when it's all said and done, he says, bow your heads, I'm going to give an altar call. And the chauffeur, who was a born-again Christian, looked at her and said, madam, would you like me to push you forward? She says, no, I have my religion. I came to be healed. Wow. That night he prayed for the sick. She got nothing. Put her back in her car, took her home. She came back the next night and the next night. All three nights, what happened? Nothing. Third night, she's in her chair. T.L.'s praying for the sick. The, the chauffeur said, would you like to go forward? She said, no. She's praying for the sick. She looks up in the crowd, and Jesus is walking through the crowd, and she can see him. And he walks up and lays hands on a cripple, and they get up. And he walks over to another cripple and lays hands on and they get up. And he's coming toward her. And she's sitting there going, oh, he's coming here. He's coming here. He's coming back here. And he walked by her and never even looked her way. And broke her heart. She bowed her head. She said, why did you walk by me? Why you didn't even look my way? Chauffeur put her in a car and took her home. Next night, she says, take me to the crusade. Took her to the crusade. Took her out of the chair, out of the car, put her in the chair. That night he's preaching the gospel and he gives the altar call. She said, push me forward. Push me forward. I need Jesus. She got up there and prayed the sinner's prayer. And when she said amen, she got out of the chair. A lot of people want the miracles. But who wants him? God's not interested in your needs. He's interested in you. I married her. I didn't marry her because she sang. I didn't marry her because she's a good secretary. I wanted her. Period. All the rest of it's a benefit. And what I wanted was a relationship. He saved you because he wants to be with you. Amen. I've got another book I want to show you. Go to Psalm 67.3. I'm going to quote a scripture to you. It says, God inhabits the praises of his people. He inhabits those. In a moment, I'm going to show you a video, but before that, I'm going to show you something in a book. There, this is a book, one of my favorite books. If, if you are of African-American descent, you, you, would, you would enjoy this book. This is a slave named um, George Washington Carver. Do you know who he is? 
He saved the South. A black slave saved the South that made him a slave. He taught them how to rotate crops and save their crops. He taught them how to plant peanuts other than just cotton. And when they had too many peanuts, he taught them how to make peanut butter and milk and glue. And he was an inventor. And he was a very, very, very wise young black slave boy. You know how he got it? He had a room that he says, in the morning I go meet with the creator. And he shows me his secrets. The creator can make you a creator. The creator, see, you don't need more money. You need more God. You don't need more education. You need more God. You don't need more health. You need more God. You say, I don't know what to do. Why don't you go spend some time with him? And see what happens when you go into the glory. Did the children of Israel do okay in the desert? Water where there's no water. Food where there's no food. Heat where there's no heat. Air conditioning where there's no air conditioning. That's a pretty good story. All right. Now, I'm going to do something right now, and I need to give you a disclaimer. We're going to watch a video. The reason I want to show you this video is two reasons. Number one, a picture's worth a thousand words. Now, I almost hesitated not to show you, and I'm going to tell you why. The video's slow. It's made in the 80s. Now, what, what does that mean to us? Because we've gotten to where if you don't have like a thousand megabytes a second, you bore easily. I mean, if the, you know, in the, in the new movies, uh, uh, the, all the new ones, they drive me crazy because it's two and a half hours of running, killing, running, jumping out of automobiles, jumping out of airplanes. In other words, every movie has to be crazier than the first one until the whole movie is completely insane. You, when I watched cowboy movies, there was one fist fight in 30 minutes. Now it's a complete fist fight for two and a half hours. I mean, it just, and the guy lives out of it. I mean, it's just, so, so, so listen, I'm, I'm telling you all this because this is a slow era. And I don't want to lose you. I don't want you to go to sleep. So I'm going to tell you what the video is about. It's about a village in Guatemala. In the village, I didn't show you the first part of it because I don't want you to go through 15 minutes of slow. I only want you to go through 10 minutes of slow. But in the village... When the preacher showed up there, all there was was poverty and alcoholism and, and, and wife abuse. There was, all, the village was, 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 was idol worship, and it was just bad. A preacher went in and began to preach the gospel, and, and the earlier in the video, you had to go back and watch it, they put a gun in his mouth, pulled the trigger, and the gun didn't go off, and he kept preaching, kept preaching the gospel. Well, he got a bunch of people together in a church, and they began to worship God, and through it, through it, the, the presence of God showed up in the village. The presence of God. Not just a church. His presence came. 80% of the people were born again. They had four jails. They shut them all down. 
the food, and you're going to hear them talk about they, they had food that was it four times a week the trucks would leave to go take the food. Then it got to where it was like 40 times a week the trucks were leaving with food. All of the people in the village bought brand new Mercedes and paid cash. Say Guatemala. We're not talking in Texas, Florida. We're talking about a third world nation that God came. If he would do that in Guatemala, could he help you? I'm pretty sure he could. So I'm going to show you the, the, the video, and I want you to pay attention till we get to the good part at the end where you see the town full of the glory. And then I want you to pray with me that this church and the city of Apopka will experience the glory of God. Now, before we get in the video, let me explain it to you. We talk a lot about Jesus. We talk a lot about Jesus. But there was so much glory on him that if he, touched your, if he just touched your lunch, you'd feed 5,000 people with it. If he just touched his clothing, sickness would live. That's the glory. You and I were designed by God to carry. We are sons of glory. In us is the hope of glory. Our best days are ahead. If. You go with me. Say, I'm going. All right, hit play. Delivered from death, Pastor Riscahe called his small flock into prayer. It was time to break the stranglehold of violence, superstition, and poverty. As the intercessors lifted their petitions heavenward, they were filled with a supernatural faith. told the Lord, it is not possible that we could be so insignificant when your word says we are heads and not tails. We kept fasting three or four days a week, and every Saturday we held a prayer vigil. And that was what I think opened the door. People started to be delivered, men started to be saved and come to church. It was a tremendous, tremendous blessing. A revival, I would call it. And then after uh, many signs and wonders started taking place, and and uh, a lot of mass deliverances from demonic oppression. Um, churches started growing. Is it true today that when people pray, cloudless skies will break, kings and queens will shake? Yes, it's true. One dramatic healing involved a woman named Teresa. A botched medical procedure had led to the onset of gangrene. Her internal organs were literally rotting. I was in a lot of pain, so much that I couldn't walk. My whole body was paralyzed and I couldn't even eat or talk. She was very sick and her condition got worse with every passing day. There was nothing we could do, so we decided to arrange her funeral because there was no hope for her. 
The house was filled with family members and neighbors had gathered outside. Everyone thought she was dying. The smell of death was everywhere. They called me to arrange the funeral, and on the way there, the Lord told me to pray for her. So I just went up to her bed and said, In the name of Jesus Christ, get up. And she rose up instantly with no sickness in her body. I felt a warmth, and I saw a bright light above me. Then I opened my eyes, and I saw the pastor. I rejoice before the Lord for my healing, and I give thanks to God for my life. After they saw the miracle, my mother and all my brothers and sisters were converted. With such dramatic testimonies, hundreds began giving their hearts to Christ. When people saw that the gospel started changing lives, they started taking note. People started uh, um, becoming more and more attracted to the gospel because they saw the, the transformation in individual lives. Now there are more than two dozen evangelical churches in Almalonga, a town of just 19,000. Mariano Riscaje's El Calvario Church seats 1,200 and is nearly always packed. But the Holy Spirit's presence has not been measured by church growth alone. A walk through Almalonga's bustling commercial district reveals the impact of the revival's social transformation. Streets and buildings are named after biblical places. If foreigners find this public display of faith extraordinary, Mariano sees it as perfectly natural. How can you say that you love God if you don't show it? Didn't Paul say, I am not ashamed of the gospel? Where once Almalonga was peppered with bars or cantinas, 36 in all, now there are only three. And as the drinking stopped, so did the violence. For 20 years, the town's crime rate has declined steadily. In 1994, the last of Almalonga's four jails closed. The remodeled building is now called the Hall of Honor. For Police Chief Santiago, these are the good times. You don't have any jails in town now? Because you don't need them? No, porque no hay gente que cometa delitos. No, because there's no people that, that do trouble. <laughs> no, hay más delitos como antes. No, not like before. Even the town's agricultural base has come to life. For years, crop yields around Almalonga suffered from a combination of arid land and poor work habits. But as the people have turned to God, they have seen a remarkable transformation of their land and Almolonga became a fertile valley. It is so fertile, that the land is so, so good. They produce the best vegetables. They get as many as three harvests per year. They sell their vegetables to Guatemala, south of Mexico, and El Salvador. Before the spiritual turnaround, growers were exporting four truckloads of produce a month. Now, they leave town 40 times a week. Nicknamed America's Vegetable Garden, Al Malonga's produce is of biblical proportions. You have to see them to believe. A bit is four and a half pounds. A carrot is this size. It is, it is just unbelievable. It... Intrigued by the dimensions of these vegetables and the town's 1,000% increase in agricultural productivity, researchers from the U.S. and other foreign countries have come to Almalonga to learn their secret. 
But the answer is not what they expected. The, the wisdom that God gave the farmers in Almalonga produced better crops than uh, the scientific methods yielded. And um, uh, the farmers constantly give the glory to the Lord for um, producing the, the bountiful harvest. Before, when we harvested the radish, it would take up to 60 days. But when God came into town, it only took 40. And now, quite often, it only takes 25 days to harvest. You can see a parallel between the people's faith and improving soil. At the same time people started believing in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the vegetables started growing. Once people were set free, they started working. Once they began to work, they gained financially. They started working the land better, and the land started producing better. Farmers pay cash for large Mercedes trucks, Come on, and then emblazon them with Christian phrases. It is, it is wonderful, and it is the, the result of the gospel transforming the community. Idolatry and superstition have fled, leaving behind a people dedicated to fervent worship and honest labor. Traditional stoicism has given way to heartfelt exuberance. Or what you have is 20 uh, Protestant churches, very active, very militant, and uh, very involved in praise, worship, deliverance, and so on and so forth. Despite their success, believers in Almalonga have no intention of letting up. Many fast three times a week and continue to assault the forces of darkness through prayer and evangelism. As neighboring towns celebrate the Day of the Dead, the people of Almalonga turn out in mass to honor the living God. The town's born-again mayor welcomed a crowd of almost 15,000 into the market square. They gathered to pray for a continued expansion of the gospel in their valley and around the world. The price we pay for this is holiness and consecration. Prayer and fasting gives us victories over principalities. It wasn't a theological preparation. It was simply throwing ourselves to the Lord. I think in many cases when we talk about community transformation, we have a battle with unbelief. Is our God and is the gospel powerful enough to truly impact our community? Almalonga teaches us yes. You had a community given to idolatry, witchcraft, alcoholism, disruptive families, and now you have a community transformed. And that's a good picture to us that yes, God can do it there and he can do it in my community. God has lifted us and we need to take advantage of this opportunity. We are a generation that God is going to use in the transformation, not only of our community, but the whole world. It is a beautiful spectacle to go and see the, the, the effect of the gospel, because you, you actually can see it. And that's what we want for our communities, for our cities, and for our nations. Woo! Say more of God. What well, we need, more of God. Now, 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 why am I doing this? Was that, is that awesome? So let me ask you a question. Do they need American money? They don't need American money. They need gospel. Listen to me. He didn't tell you and I to go build hospitals overseas. He didn't tell us to go over and give everybody American money and to put their faith in America. And he also didn't tell you to put your faith in the government of the United States.
I want you to think about it. If God could show up in a village full of alcoholism and poverty and make millionaires out of people in Guatemala, what in the world do you think he could do with you if you and I quit seeking the world and start seeking God? And let me ask you this. Are, am I crimping your style asking you to come to church? Is this kind of a bore? I would hope not. But see, in America today, we've gotten aware. You're going to church? Well, I'm going to try to make it. No, no, no. That's the problem. You are not God. And the government, how does the government give you money that they don't steal? They take your money and then give you back some. That's not, if you believe that, you're just really not very smart. But God doesn't do that. Listen to this definition. The definition of glory, wealth, numbers, commerce, power. If you watch the video, it said that God gave the farmers wisdom to grow. Wisdom to grow. I just got through reading... um, George Washington Carver, God gave him wisdom to save the South. There in the presence of God is wisdom. You can't get it anywhere else. He isn't going to give it to you. The moment you make up your mind. Now listen to what I'm, where we're going with this. So many times Americans You're so busy that everything of God is if you have time left. Why don't we change that and make it number one? Why don't you quit putting him on the last burner in case you have time left? Why don't you give him the time and let the world take what's left? What happens if you wake up in the morning and go in there and spend time in the presence of God? I'm going to tell you a little bit about me. When I got born again, I had one pair of jeans, one shirt, and a a pair of shoes, and all three of them were in style because they were holy. I did not know my jeans were in style, but back then it was not in style. That's all the clothing I had, and when it was in the wash, I was naked. It's honest to God truth. Put a towel around me away from my jeans to wash. And I washed them once or twice a week whether I needed it or not. Once a month if I needed it or not. But when I got born again and I started going to church and I started waking up in the morning getting the Bible and going on spending time with God, my, my income changed. All of a sudden, I have favor. I'm getting promotion after promotion after And I'm not seeking it. Mike Nasera, the plant manager, looked at me and said, we're grooming you for management. I, I'm an ex-dope-headed hippie. What are you grooming me for? The glory was on me. In one year, I was out of debt. In one year. The apartment complex that I went to, the, I don't know, sometimes Debbie watches it. They made me the resident manager. My rent's free. My phone is free. I have a swimming pool in the front yard, and I'm working a regular job, getting promotions like crazy, and I'm the maintenance man when I get home, and in one year, I'm driving a brand-new car, and I'm completely out of debt. 
wealth, commerce, the anointing. Listen to me. Right now, you're fighting for a time just to pray. You're fighting for a time just to pick up a Bible. Make it a prior. Hell or high water. I'm getting in the Word. I'm getting in the presence of God. Get into church. Get in here and worship God. What, what, I'm, what I'm, I'm, I'm driving for something. Barbara, help me with this. I'm driving for something. I'm tired of church without God. Well, we came to church today and listen, uh, we sang two hymns, two hers, watched a video. Uh, praise the Lord. I want them, I want people to come through the door and get healed. I want people to come in here and get born again. And I want to do nothing. And let God do it all. But I'm going to tell you how that happens. It happens when a bunch of people walk in and go, we're going to give you glory. We're going to worship God. And in his presence... His fullness of joy. In his presence is healing. In his presence is health. Everywhere Jesus went, he carried the glory. Not just, you say, well, that's because he's the son of God. No, no. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost power went around doing good. He, he walked in the glory. Like I just said to you a while ago, he grabbed one person's lunch and fed 5,000 men. That glory's the same. You don't need more money. You need more glory. You don't need a promotion at work. You need more glory. You need more God. In the day you're living in, in this nation right now, they don't have any idea what they're doing. They are crazy. They are, are trying to see who can shoot each other with the first nuke. Don't even ask them. They don't have a clue. But there is somebody who does. His name is God. Come on, y'all. In his presence, in his presence, wisdom, Knowledge, righteousness, favor, wealth. He said, take my yoke upon you. My yoke's what? Easy. All you stressed out people, you need more of God. There's another scripture that says, he that comes to God must believe that he is and a rewarder of those who what? Diligently. The world right now is not going this direction. And churches are not going this direction. Now, I, I don't mind a coffee shop, but I didn't have it to attract you. I had it because I was tired of eat, drinking bad coffee. Very selfish. We're not, ha- I, we're not having smoking lights. If God don't, if he won't smoke, he can bring his own smoke. 
and I ain't wearing skinny jeans and sitting on a stool so you'll come to church. You don't want to see me in skinny jeans. You don't want to see me in skinny jeans. All right, I got one more scripture, Psalm 67, 3. Look at Psalm 67, 3. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. Let all the nations be glad and sing for joy, and you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. Selah. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. You say, I don't know what we're going to do in the days ahead. I know exactly what I'm going to do in the days ahead. Now, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something political now. The Democrats or the Republicans have no control over carrots and beets and lettuce and peas. And apples and pears and bananas and fish. If they could, they would. But they haven't figured out how to regulate it yet. Thank you, Jesus. He'll send rain on the just. Let me tell you something. When the glory hits you, you're going to be successful. I don't care what anybody says. Joseph went to Egypt a slave with glory on him. And he's running the nation. David was only a little shepherd boy, and someone rubbed glory on him, and he became a mighty warrior and rich. Every body the glory touches succeeds. I'm going to get way ahead of myself now. There's coming a day when the glory will fill the earth. And this place will look better than Disney everywhere. I mean, we're talking jewelry stores like you ain't never seen. Come on, ladies, y'all ain't even. In God good. Now, I'm doing all this for a reason. I'm trying to break you out of American Christianity. Get out of it. You think you've got it made because you have a job. You don't have it made. The more of God you have, the better your life will be. You don't need more world. You need more God. Now, I'm saying that because I believe that church is not only a good idea, it's a fantastic idea. What happens when you come in and you're in the presence of God, everything in your life is changing. Now, let's talk about your families right now. You know what your kids, you've already talked to them until you are blue in the face. What would happen if you came home full of glory? And the presence of God got on your kids and they got off in the bedroom and started weeping before a holy God. 
How do you think 80% of the men in that town got saved? I guarantee you it wasn't his preaching. If good preaching would do it, I'm a good preacher. Well, you don't need good preaching. You need God. So I'm going to tell you one more story because I got time. Norval Hayes had a daughter named Zona. She's a drug addict, and he's out preaching the gospel. And he went to God and said, God, what am I going to do about Zona? What am I going to do about Zona? Norval would go in his bedroom and get on his knees and worship God. He already talked to Zona. That didn't do any good. But he began to worship God. And if you hear Norval, he only has three sermons. Worship God, pray in tongues, and pass out tracts. That's all he knows. But it seems to be working. One day he was in his bedroom worshiping God and worshiping God and worshiping God. And an angel walks in the bedroom and sits on the bed next to Zona. And he didn't say nothing to her. He just stared at her. And you have a 12-foot angel sit on the bed and just stare at you. You are going to change. And scared the H out of her. And she said, Dad, he just came in and stared at me. And he just sat there and looked at her, and she freaked out. Yeah, I guess so. And then he got up and walked out, and she hit the floor and got right with God. I have a friend named Gray Bennett. He got born again the same time I did, but he kept doing drugs, and he kept smoking dope, and he kept drinking. And one day the Lord came in his house. I've been praying for him. Just walked in his house and said, spoke to him audibly and said, Gray, get it right. Scared the heebie-jeebies out of Gray. That was his last joint, his last beer. He got his Bible out and bought him a Sarah's brand new pair of red wing boots and started going to church. Amen. Brand new wet red wings, brand new white t-shirt too. That's what country folks do when they get right with God. <laughs> Lisa will tell you that's true. I'd go to his house after that and he'd sit in his living room on the couch and read his Bible and soak it with tears. He was so on fire for God. All he had was just one encounter with God. Come on, come on, y'all, help me out. Come on. I have a thing in my office. 50,000 people. There's only 50,000 in a popka. That's enough. Anybody ready to believe me for the city? You know how it's going to happen? God is going to do it. Say, God is going to do it. But you know what me and Adam are going to do and me and Lisa? We're going to go home and pray in the Holy Ghost and spend time with God. (laughs) Come on, Barbara. I'm doing better than you. Amen. Every one of you say, I need this and I need this. Let me tell you something. No, you don't. All you need is God. You get in his presence, all that junk, it'll just melt off you. Ain't a devil in hell stand in his presence. 
No sickness can stand in his presence. No poverty can stand in his presence. And no dope devil can stand in his presence. There ain't no alcoholism can stand in the presence of God. There's no rebellion can stand in the presence of God. So if you want your house to change, get it full of the presence of God. How do you do that? Get you full of the presence of God. I have a saying, I am a revival. And I'm not even done with me yet. I'm fixing to get worse. Glory to God, Jesus is Lord. Aren't you glad you don't even have to be smart? <laughs> Aren't you glad it ain't got nothing to do with your education? Aren't you glad it don't have anything to do with whether you're male or female, fat, skinny, ugly, or handsome? Aren't you glad God uses ignorant people? Moses was a stutterer. You get the glory of God on a man, and I'm going to tell you something. Paul was a mean Pharisee. Turned out to be the greatest man of God in the world. Glory hit him. Say, give us glory. Fill us with your glory. Fill us with your presence, Heavenly Father. Fill us with your presence. I said all that to say this. You have to make a decision that I'm going to seek God. That means the phone, sometimes you have to go, shut up, I ain't look, put, the, put the Facebook down. It ain't helping you. Put the Instagram down, that ain't doing you good. And, and, and TikTok, that ain't helping you. And all your gossip sessions, that ain't helping you. And all the other dumb stuff you're doing, it ain't doing anything. There's nothing wrong with some of that, but listen, don't make a, don't make a life out of it. The more God you have, the more God you're going to be like. Now, I'm not into it now. I'm going to get into this next week, hopefully. You were designed to carry glory. Come on, boy. We're just talking about glory coming in the church. Wait, wait till it comes in here and gets on you and you walk out with it. You say, is that possible? You better as possible, and we're going to see it. I will see it. I'm preaching for change. I'm asking you to change with me. You're not bad. You're just distracted. You're spending time on a non-profitable junk. All of us do. Our flesh, the world, the flesh, and the devil's mean. Time with me, time with me, time with me, time with me, time with me. No. No, time with God. You're going to go in there and sit in the living room, and, and then after you finally get the dog to shut up and the kids to shut up and your spouse to shut up, then you got to tell your brain to shut up. And you might have to pray in tongues an hour just to get it to shut up. And once you do, once you do, once you step over into glory, you'll walk in there and go, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. 
Father God, thank you for the glory of God. Father, this morning we just read where you wouldn't, where Moses says, we're not going in a desert without your presence. We're not going out there without your presence. Father, I pray everybody in the sound of my voice right now say, I'm not going anywhere without his presence. I don't want to live on this planet without his presence. I don't even want to get up and go to work without your presence. I don't want to go through marriage without your presence. I don't even want to get up and go do my job without your presence. But I want your presence. And I've seen this morning what happens in your presence. All kinds of good stuff happens in your presence. So I know that this is not a waste of my time. The devil lied to me. He lied to me. What I needed was more of you. What you did in George Washington Carver. What you did in Jesus. What you did in David. Do in me. What you did in, 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 in Guatemala. Do here. Father, we all have family members that need Jesus. What they need is your presence. I can't ask you to get on them if I'm not willing for you to start with me. Like the woman, I'm not after healing. I'm after you. I'm not after wealth. I'm after you. I'm not after a Mercedes. I'm after you. I already know all those things will come. Starting today, I seek your face. You're number one. You're number one, Father God. Uh Uh I'm going to tell you all something. I've been saved how many years, Lisa? 40-something? November 16, 1975. Somebody do the math. That's 25 plus 22, 23. Did you know it's more difficult for me to walk with God now than it ever been? You thought it would be easier. It isn't. It's harder. After you're wealthy, it's harder. See, when I got saved, I didn't have any distractions. I didn't even have anything. You say, I have money to go out? No. Money for gas? No. New clothes? No. All I had was a Bible, and I spent a lot of time in it. I had anything else to do? Church? The only entertainment I had? I didn't have Facebook. It's harder now. It's more difficult. I'm saying that to y'all for y'all, for you, for you to know this. It is more difficult for you now than it was. That's why the decision, you have to make the decision. Because before, it was necessity. Now, it's nothing but choice. God, I want you. I want you. I make time for her. I make time for her. And I don't ask you permission. And I'll have time with my wife. No matter what's going on, I will make time. When we were in Tennessee, we didn't go walking through the park. We went walking through the woods, went deer hunting together, watched coyotes. We had fun. Cooked dinner in a camper together. But I love being with her. But I'm going to tell you something. It is a high priority. When I wake up in the morning, 
I pick up a Bible. And I go in my living room. And I bow my head and I go before I start my day. I'm going to spend time with you. You're my highest priority. Everything I am, everything I ever will be is because of you. And I'll just sit there and thank him, pray in the Holy Ghost and just love Jesus. It is not a waste of time. My kids need it. Your kids need it. I have to have that anointing on me. You do too. And I say, God, I'm not going into church this morning. If you don't go with me, I am not going. If you don't go to church, I ain't either. <laughs> I don't want a dead church. And this one can die like a Catholic church, and this one can die like a Baptist church. And all you have to do is show up and not care. I heard a sermonette. You can wake up and go, God, I'm turn the world off right now. This is me and you. It's me and you. Your children need parents on fire. They don't need a sermon. The fireplace is worthless if there ain't a fire in it. It's cute. You know the TV sets? When I come to your house, turn it off. And flickering TV set. That's not a fire. A real fire's got heat coming out of it. A real Christian gets something coming out of that person. We don't. I don't, I, I don't want you to look like a TV screen. I want you to be a real dead burn fire. And you ought to put wood in it if you want heat. You know, to that fireplace is over there going, I'm going to need a couple more sticks of that wood. If you want. <laughs> Are you all ready? We're living in the most difficult time in the history of this earth. The world is crazy. Don't go crazy with them. Without him, you will not make it. Your brains won't do it. Your job won't do it. You are going to need God. But if you have him, he said, I'll give you rest. And it'll be easy. My yoke is and not a burden. I'm going to pray one more time and I'm going to give this to Lisa. Heavenly Father, I have come in here today and I have preached my heart out. And I, I'm trusting right now you said we would know truth. Truth would set us free. I believe the video says way more than I could say. We watched what you did in a village. That whole village changed because you showed up. And it showed up the day they started asking you to show up. I pray everybody in the sound of my voice would start thinking seriously about what we're doing with time. And what we're doing with the time you've given us. How are we spending it? Are you number one? Because we can see that is good. If there's anybody in the sound of my voice that hasn't been putting you as number one, I pray that right now you just forgive them, wash it in the blood, and let's go. But I'm trusting you right now 
for a move of God beyond anything that Daryl and Lisa can do. Beyond any human can do. I'm asking you to change lives, heal bodies, and pull people in this church out of poverty. But only as we seek your face. You gave us the formula. Draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. In your presence, you inhabit the praises of your people. You inhabit our praise. I pray that after today that we would understand that when we talk about worshiping God, it's not a side issue. It's the issue. This is the issue. You're God. Without you, we can do nothing. Your life, your peace, your joy, you are wealth. You are healing, your health, your everything. And we thank you. Praise the Lord. So just lift up your hands. Thank you, Lord. We honor you today. We praise you. We give you glory. We thank you for your goodness. We will make the choice to worship you, to praise you, to honor you, to put you first in our lives, in our week, in our day. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. As the altar workers are coming forward, I would invite anyone that does not know Jesus first as personal Lord and Savior. 2 Corinthians 5 says, Jesus died for all. So it is as if all have died. If someone did your prison sentence for you, you don't have to do it. So it's as if it's been wiped out. So he said he is not imputing anybody's sins. He's not holding sin against you. He took it. He went to hell. He took your sin. All he's asking is for you to receive what he did. And so this morning, if you've never said, Jesus, come into my heart, thank you for not holding my sin against me. Thank you for washing me in the blood. You'll be saved. Born again, full of God. He will come and fill you up and take you to heaven when you die. If you've never done that or don't remember doing it, come. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.